Sisters and brothers in Christ, grace and peace to you this day from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus the Christ. Amen. Nostradamus, the blood moon prophecy, the Mayan calendar, Pat Robertson, Y2K, and Harold Camping. Do these sound familiar? Well, they are all associated with end time predictions. Predictions that are believed to signal the beginning of the end of the earth as we know it. Or for the highly religious, a sign of the Perusia. That is, the second coming of the Messiah. There have been some 200 plus predictions that have been officially recorded since the first century about the end of the world. And there are 50 more recorded for the next 15 years. Even Martin Luther himself once spoke that he believed Jesus would return before the year 1600, believing the bubonic plague was a sign. But of course, this is not what he was known for. But most of these prophets assert that they have gained their insight either from the Bible or directly from inspiration by God. Now, if we look to the scriptures, we do read foretelling of apocalyptic events that will signal the second coming of Christ, especially heard today in our Old Testament reading from Daniel, the book of Revelation, of course, but also right here in our gospel, in chapter 13 of the gospel of Mark. This section of the gospel of Mark is known as the little apocalypse. And this text finds us with Jesus and the disciples in the temple, where at least one of those with Jesus makes the statement as to the grandeur and strength of the temple and how it was built. Now we have to remember that the temple in Jesus' time was the second temple. It had been built after its destruction during the Babylonian captivity, and it was built with even bigger stones, and it was more ornate than the first temple built by King Solomon. King Herod, who was king when Jesus was born, was well known for his grand building projects all over Israel, and he had added his own touch to the temple in Jerusalem, making it one of the most ornate and magnificent structures ever built in human history. The large stones referenced in the gospel text are known as Herodian stones, and they represent the biggest and strongest building components of that time. Herodian stones are huge, and they can still be seen in the Western Wall today, in the wall that was built over 2,000 years ago. And when I studied in Israel a few years ago, I got to go down to the foundation of the Temple Mount and see the stone known as the Western Stone. It is one of the biggest single-piece stones used by, his, used by humans to build anything in history. It's 44 and a half feet long, 11 feet tall. Its depth is unknown because it's in the wall, but it is estimated to weigh around 550 tons. That's more than a 747 jumbo jet. So the disciple points to these large stones and Jesus responds with shopping, shocking words. Do you see these great buildings? Not one stone will be left upon another. This must have been shocking. The disciples have been with Jesus now for some three years and have seen many great and many peculiar things. But by this time in Jesus' ministry, he has started to talk about things that must be very hard to understand. The fact that he would predict again the destruction of the temple would have made the disciples very uneasy. 
The temple had stood as a sign of the strength of the Jewish nation and was the center of Jewish life and worship. The Ark of the Covenant and the Holy Seat were found in the Holy of Holies, that is the inner sanctum of the temple itself, which was God's dwelling place. How could this be? If Jesus was the expected Messiah, which we have heard Peter confess by this time, wasn't he going to gather his army and establish the Jewish kingship over Israel again? Wasn't he supposed to fight to protect the temple? But Jesus goes on to predict other events that must come. He forewarns of false prophets, wars and famines. He talks about disasters that will arise as the beginning of the end. This is where our modern prophets have also tried to establish their own proof in their prophecies. Events like Hurricane Katrina, the Indonesian tsunami, the giant earthquake in Japan, the F5 tornado called the finger of God in Joplin, Missouri, and now even COVID-19. We don't expect oceans to swell out of the seas and flood the land. We don't expect clouds in the sky to form into tornadoes and destroy our lives. Diseases in our human history are starting to make a comeback. There have been recorded cases of polio and mumps again, which have been almost non-existent for several generations and are now affecting populations around the world. Earthquakes, famines, floods, disease, these are all used as evidence signaling the end time. Then there's the proofs drawn by human events like world wars, weapons of mass destruction, 9-11. For those of you that might remember, after the first World Trade Center bombing in 1993, there were those that looked to the Twin Towers and like the disciples talking about the temple said, look how strong they are to withstand this attack. Not being able to even fathom the destruction that came on 9-11. The current economic rise of China is seen as an end time indicator. And I even read this week that Our political division in the United States is a sign of the coming of the end. But when events like this happen in the world, they do cause the world to change. They have lasting effects. They become bookends to events in our own lives. For some of you, this could be things like the bombing of Pearl Harbor. For others, the Cuban Missile Crisis or when JFK was killed. In my own generation, it seems to be the Space Shuttle Challenger explosion. And of course, 9-11 is a defining moment in all of our history. Life in the United States made a monumental shift after the attacks that day. An apocalypse came by way of policy changes, laws, TSA checkpoints, and homeland security. Things that now are so common We kind of even forget why they came about. But life did change, different from what we knew before that event. It had to change. And we're experiencing many of the same things now with the pandemic. We're told that there will be lingering effects that will be normal life for us now beyond COVID-19. So it's not hard to see and hear that we can get uneasy anxious, even fearful when we hear things like this. 
even here at church. I've heard an acute anxiety these days floating around in our midst. Because in times of transition, when things are uncertain, it rocks our sense of security. So what was Jesus up to when he talked about these things? Now in our culture, the word apocalypse carries mostly a negative understanding. But if we understand its use in the original biblical language, an apocalypse meant a revealing, an unveiling of something new or different. By the time our text in the Gospel of Mark had been written down, the Jewish revolt against Rome was in full swing and the temple had just been destroyed in 70 AD. This speaks to the understanding of the writer of our text as to the full picture of what Jesus foretold, and it had happened. But what Jesus is doing here is revealing that there is a new way of knowing God. He's telling us that the old way of knowing and understanding God as a God of only wrath had to change. And it came as an apocalypse to all that heard Jesus teach. And so our text becomes the entry point to the passion story leading to Jesus' crucifixion. And by this time, the disciples are really confused. They just don't understand. These words that Jesus left them with had little meaning until time goes by. Then some 40 years later, after his crucifixion, the temple is destroyed. And Christ alone has stood as the way of knowing God. Jesus himself is God's mercy on the world. Something entirely new. It was hard to understand, but of course life is changed anytime someone hears these words. This understanding of being apocalypsed is never more revealed than in the book of Acts when Saul, who is persecuting the church, is apocalypsed by Christ himself on the road to Damascus. Saul is enveloped in the light of Christ and blinds him, and Christ actually speaks a word on Saul, literally ending his life as he knew it. God's word still does this. God's word revealed a whole new way of life for Saul, and he becomes Paul, the great apostle. And God's word still does this apocalypsing work today. Jesus tells us this lesson so that you may know that the temples in your own life that seem to crumble, that this is not unknown. When these things happen and it still fears in us, when we hear of these things happening in the world and in our life around us, and these things bring uncertainty and keeps our attention diverted, but I encourage you to hear Jesus' words today with a different ear. That these words do not come as a threat, but as a promise. Jesus tells us himself these things will happen. Not to surprise you, but to instill in you one monumental truth. Because you see in the midst of uncertainty and in the midst of our crumbling temples, God is faithful. God is where he has promised to be. God meets you here and speaks a word to you. This word which enters your ear and it changes your heart. It apocalypses you with faith and it points you to the one 
who is faithful. This most specifically happened when you were brought to the baptismal font. And his word was spoken on you by God himself. You are mine and nothing separates me from you. Nothing. These same apocalyptic words came to us here this morning as we confessed our sins and he sent his word to each of you that ends the struggle of the sinner. The words that says you are forgiven. This word which brings new understanding to life, a new beginning each time we hear it. This is what Jesus is trying to get his disciples and us to understand that the old has passed away and something new now lives. So when you hear of end time predictions or hear of terrible events in the world, calm yourselves and know that they are part of our struggle on this side of God's kingdom, but that all these things are known. But for those that are claimed in the promises of Jesus Christ, you have nothing to fear. Because new life comes each time you take in breath. And each breath you bring is God's promise. Jesus tells us these events are but the indicator of the birth pangs. And that is something new for each of us that believe in Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God. Amen.